Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church podcast. Learn more about us and all of our activities at milehighchurch.org. We do want to let you know we've got an early bird going on for a special event happening November 3rd. Dan Harris, author of 10% Happier and of the popular 10% Happier podcast, is coming live in person to Mile High. You can buy a ticket to come to Lakewood, Colorado to see him or to watch it online. Thanks for listening. I want to begin by asking you to consider what was your first conception of the infinite? For some people, it comes in a church. For some people, it's in nature. For some people, it may have arrived in a dream. For me, it was my dad's record collection. (laughs) A double closet, no clothes to be found, with milk crate after milk crate of album upon album of music. And I just thought to myself, I could spend lifetimes and not get through all of these artists. And for those who are not familiar with records, (laughs) they look like this. (laughs) And, you know, not only great music, but there's these things we call grooves. (laughs) In the middle of these grooves are stories. Stories about love. Stories about joy. Stories about loss. Stories about resilience and retribution, stories of the heart and stories of transcendence. And for me, it was an amazing thing to come into touch with all of these stories that that shaped my life. And the cornerstone of my dad's record collection was the music of the British invasion. If I had honestly asked you, if you had asked me what my religion was growing up and I was to answer honestly, I'd say it was the British invasion because it was all in the house and all in the car on the way to school. The Rolling Stones, the Kinks, the Dave Clark Five, the Herman's Hermits. Big, big cheers for, yeah. There's a kind of hush all over the world. I won't sing too much today, I promise. And the crown jewel of the British Invasion and my dad's record collection were the Beatles. These were the albums when we had our own record players at Kids that weren't allowed to leave his room. You could put on the headphones and put the the needle on the groove and with reverence hear the sacred teachings that they brought forth. And it's amazing to look back and to see the impact that music had on my dad, on my mom, on my family, on so many of us, so much so that if you were to ask yourself the question, who has had the greatest spiritual influence on the world in the last hundred years? I'd argue it was the Beatles. Such a part of the soundtrack of so many of our lives. And some people, they say, you know, music isn't wisdom. Right, Wisdom should come on Sunday mornings from a kind of good-looking guy in a suit. (laughs) But the truth is that that music, perhaps more than anything else, like next to silence, like Aldous Huxley said, comes closest to expressing the sacred and the wisdom of life. Scholars believe the, the oldest aspects of the Bible are the Psalms, which translates as the songs. 
and, and just to connect it to the Beatles. When Africans were enslaved in our country, they, they weren't allowed to learn to read and they were exposed to the Bible. And the part that most of the Africans identified with were these psalms, these songs. Not only were they from an enslaved people, but you could sing them. So they were easy to memorize. You know, try to read the words of Imagine, you're not going to retain it. But if you hear the song a couple times, you begin to know it by heart. And it was this singing of the Psalms that became the spirituals, which would grow into gospel music, which would grow into blues music. Poor white folk would get involved and it would become country music. It would become rhythm and blues music. And it was this music that inspired these young Brits to import it back to us in this incredible way. Now, do you have a favorite Beatle? And I want you to know today that just perhaps metaphysically, it isn't just because it's the one you think is the cutest, <laughs> but that each Beatle, John, Paul, George, and Ringo, have their own path to spiritual enlightenment that takes place within the Beatles. So where are my Paul people? Paul people? Lots of Paul people. Paul's story within the Beatles is all about his evolution of his understanding of what love is. And we might say in his early days in the Beatles that Paul's understanding of love begins and can be encapsulated in the song Yesterday. Yesterday All my troubles seem so far away now it looks as though they're here to stay Oh, I believe in yesterday mm-hmm. It's a beautiful song, but it's a little victim-y, right? <laughs> what is love to Paul? It's something past. It's a game that you play, and it's something clearly that that he so misunderstands that he's heartbroken. It's something that is separate from him and that he sees as non-existent. The next phase of evolution for Paul can be encapsulated well in the song, I've Just Seen a Face. I've just seen a face, I can't forget the time or place when we first met She is the girl for me, and I want all the world to see we've met mm-hmm. Had it been another day, I might have turned the other way And I'd have never been aware, but as it is, I'll dream of her tonight Die, 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 die So you can see for for Paul, now love is something magical again. It's something enchanting. It's something that's calling him forward. And you can hear the lyrics, had it been another day, 
Yesterday, perhaps, I may have looked the other way and I may have never been aware, but as it is, I'll dream of her tonight. And so although love is still associated with the female form, it is now something that Paul has done the hard work in consciousness to be ready and prepared for. Paul's biggest evolutionary leap on his understanding of love can be encapsulated in the song, Here, There, and Everywhere. I want her everywhere And if she's beside me I know I need never care But to love her is to need her everywhere Knowing that love is to share Each one believing that love never dies Watching their eyes And hoping I'm always there I will be there And everywhere Here, there And everywhere Paul's opening line, to lead a better life, I need my love to be here. Love isn't past, love isn't future, love is here, there, and everywhere. Love isn't person, love is presence. And we live, move, and have our being in this love that is here, there, and everywhere if we are willing to be conscious and to have a transparent heart that can give and receive it. Paul's final evolution of his understanding of love comes in the song, Let It Be, where love has taken the form of the Divine Mother, which whispers words of wisdom to him in times of trouble. find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be, and in my hour of darkness, she is standing right in front of me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. Mile High Band, everybody. 
So where are my John fans? John, uh, you see, you're a complicated bunch because, you see, John is a split personality. And his path through the Beatles is all about what Carl Jung referred to as, as individuation, the joining of the opposites. Paul can be understood in singles, but to understand John, you need whole albums. On the same album... On the same album in, in which he croons the most beautiful song ever written in my mind, in my life, is a song called Run For Your Life. On the same album where he talks about starting a revolution, he talks about being so tired and how he even wants to hang his rock and roll. He's so upset. But he keeps working. He keeps bringing together these opposites until he what? He comes together. George fans. George's path through the Beatles is all about finding your own voice. Imagine that being a young songwriter and you have to uh, show your songs to Lennon and McCartney, the greatest songwriters of all time, to get included in, in an album. And what George did secretly is he began focusing and devoting his songs to God. That little darling, and here comes the sun, that's the divine. That's something in the way she moves, that's divinity. And it's only fitting that it's in his solo career that he addresses God plainly and has his masterpiece, My Sweet Lord. My Sweet Lord. And Ringo people, the rare Ringo person. (laughs) I I need a little bit of an out on this one. (laughs) But Ringo, honestly, to me, he's all of us along for the ride. He's this humble, talented presence. And it's important to understand that the Beatles' success does not begin until Ringo enters the band. And it's his energy and his willingness to go along that helps hold all of these interesting presences together along the way. So without further ado this morning, the Beatles' Ten Commandments. <laughs> Commandment one, can't buy me love. The Beatles' first commandment is a warning against spiritual materialism. We see it more and more every day where products offer us qualities of being. This soft drink will bring you peace of mind. This pill will finally make you happy. This car will give you the freedom that you've been looking for. Now, the Beatles all liked nice things. However, the rule of thumb is this. Don't get anything in your life to give you a quality until you can represent it and recognize it within yourself. Because if not, you will continue to separate yourself further and further from it. Because you can't buy yourself love. You can only identify and through the currency of your heart, share and multiply it in your life. Commandment two, think for yourself. A George song from the Rubber Soul album. Think for yourself, God says, because I won't be there for you. And it's interesting to think of all the churches, and we're an interfaith institution here, I I do doubt that many are beginning with today's message is to think critically, (laughs) to think for yourself. But the Beatles understand something incredibly important about spirituality and our own thought. And that is that your own understanding is the only vehicle you will ever have for knowing God, for understanding life, the meaning and purpose of your relationships. And if you're not thinking for yourself, then someone or something else is thinking for you. 
So take ownership. The other aspect of this is when we truly come up with our own thoughts and think clearly, we truly step into genius. As Emerson said in his self-reliance, to believe your own thought, to believe that what is true for you in your private heart is true for all people, that is genius. Speak your latent conviction, and that shall be the universal sense, for the inmost in due time becomes the outmost. Commandment three, tomorrow never knows. The Beatles were fans of malapropisms. And Ringo wrote this, this malapropism, and the saying was probably initially, tomorrow only knows. But Ringo made it tomorrow never knows and touched upon one of the most important understandings in spirituality, that there is no knowing in the past. There is no knowing in the future. There is only this present moment to know and understand and become that which we are. This is one of the great gifts that good music gives us. You can't experience it in the past. You can't experience it in the future. You can only connect with it now. And the more present you are to it, you can do what the wise sages and Sly and the Family Stone told us. You can dance to the music. You can feel the rhythm. You can have the harmony touch your heart. You can go with the flow and experience the mystical reality of the sacred as it expresses through musical language. You know, let's take a great song. Let's go with the Van Morrison's Brown Eyed Girl. <laughs> and you, my brown eyed girl, you're my brown eyed girl. Do you remember when we used to sing sha la 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 dee da just like that. Sha la 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 dee da la dee da. And it's the most precious thing about a pop song because it gives us that that mystical ability to make every song you hear about you and about your life. Sweetheart, I know you got blue eyes, but you know you'll always be my brown-eyed girl. But, but if we're not careful, what can happen in a song? We can have that experience of listening it, to it so often that we get tired of it, that you get sick of it. And why is that? It's because you've judged it. It's because you know every word. It's because you know just what harmony is going to come next. Right? And so you, you're, you're bored of it. It no longer connects you to the present moment because it's only connecting to your previous understanding of what it is. And then you put it away, and 10 years later, you're in the grocery store, which is my sign that you've moved into middle life when you like the music <laughs> in the grocery store. And it comes on, and all of a sudden, it's brand new again. You can, you can feel the music. You can connect with the harmony, and you can again experience the gift of that song. How many of us live our lives sick of it, tired of it, defining it, so sure about what's going to come each day? If we could only let it go and know that tomorrow never knows and bring ourselves present, we can connect with that spiritual power of the music of our hearts and our lives. Commandment four. Nothing is real and nothing to get hung about. From Strawberry Fields Forever, the Beatles begin to dive into psychedelia and help inspire and become part of a, of a counterculture. 
And yet what they're really doing is explaining to us that this reality you think is so real, these problems in your life that are so central, that person who just so deserves a piece of your mind and is so in the way of you achieving your goals, not that there's not reality to it, but it's just one minuscule part of reality. It's nothing to get hung up about. In fact, when you cease being hung up about it, all of the other realities that are available to you become clear. If you can only stop being so hung up on that thing and that problem you think is so very, very real, so much so that our identities can depend on it, don't get hung up about it. And when you let it go, you move into this greater understanding of truth that commandment five of the Beatles gives us. Don't you know it's going to be all right? Don't you know it's going to be all right? The Beatles are expressing the Neoplatonists who expressed thousands of years ago that the nature of the universe is good, that there are bad and terrible and dangerous things that happen, but the universe arcs towards well-being, that it loves progress, that it favors freedom, that it's bringing all of us to a greater expression of justice and of good, that it's ever available to us if we can begin to trust that all goodness, that all rightness, that okayness which exists in the overall reality to trust and allow it to see us through. Commandment six. Oblidi, oblada, life goes on. And if you know the song, you know it's about Molly Brown. And she's going to the marketplace. And she's singing in the band. And we have this beautiful love story told. But really, it, it's, a, it's about eternal life. It's the Beatles' expression of eternal life. Because the Beatles teach us that you don't have to wait till your life is over to have eternal life. That you can have glimpses of it. That you can have bits of it right here and right now. If you fully give yourself with joy and love to the present moment, you can begin to experience the depth of your eternal life, even in temporary experiences. Frederick Nietzsche, the great philosopher, had his own viewpoint about life after death. He didn't believe so much in heaven or in hell or in reincarnating into different forms in life. He believed that what happened is you return to your same life and live it again over and over and over. I've always liked that because for some of us that sounds like heaven. For others of us, it sounds like something else. <laughs> but, it, but it's a reminder to, one, think about your choices. Think about your, how you're showing up. Because you may be bound to experience that again and again. And in a beautiful way, I am sure I could live the same life a limitless number of times and barely even begin to scratch the surface of the perspectives and the connections, and the epiphanies, and the healings, and the ahas that this great blessing of our life and our experiences offer us. This oblidi, obladanis <laughs> that is ever available to give in to the flow of life. Commandment seven, all you need is love. If you, if you listen to the song, the lyrics really aren't all that inspiring at the start. There's nothing you can do that can't be done. Oh, thanks, John. There's nothing 
you can sing that can't be sung, well, then why sing at all? But there's nothing you can do, but you can learn to be you. It's easy. All you need is love. And so the message isn't just about using love to face and confront the world's challenges. It's giving us the key about how to truly become yourself, which is to learn to do the hardest thing for so many of us to do, to truly, genuinely love ourselves, and then to learn what it is that we love in life and to dedicate our life to it. It's then that we unlock the secrets to reality. It's then that we become who we are meant to be. It's then that we truly live in alignment with that creative presence that brought us forth and which never leaves us. Commandment eight, come together. Again, speaking to Carl Jung's idea of individuation, that, that this life is so much about taking the many different aspects of ourselves and bringing it together to work as a whole. I invite you to ask yourself this morning, what part of yourself are you rejecting today? What part of yourself have you dismissed that you leave out of your everyday consciousness? Coming together is about learning to call back in those areas of ourself, no matter how mistaken, hurt, distracted, disconnected they may be, realizing the only way, reason they are that way is because we've rejected and shut them out. But if only we could bring those parts of ourselves back into who we are, we could live in greater wholeness. What did Parker Palmer said? That's the thing about wholeness. The moment you discover you're whole, you have to live your whole life. Live your whole life as your whole self, nothing left out. Commandment nine, let it be. I love this concept of let it go. I could sing some Frozen, but I won't. <laughs> but, but let it go assumes, you know, let something go and see if it comes back to you. Let it go and forget about it. Let it go and just let it be what it's going to be and move on with your life. I like let it be much better because it speaks this idea of letting something become. This relationship, I'm going to stop meddling in it. <laughs> this problem, I'm going to stop trying to control it. This self that I am, I'm going to learn to trust in what it is. And when we let something be, we actually realize that it's sometimes ourselves that's keeping it from becoming what we want it to be. But when we let something become, just maybe it becomes exactly what we felt in our heart it could be. A relationship, a child we love that may be struggling, a challenging life circumstance. Let it be. Doesn't mean you have to forget about it. You can still care about it. You can still love it. But allow it, allow a power greater than you are to let it become. And lastly, commandment 10. And in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. The Beatles' final statement to us is an evolution of the golden rule, which says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But even more importantly... 
that love that you seek, that happiness that you want, that sense of wholeness you want to cultivate in your life, you have to bring it forth from yourself before you can get or experience it from anyone or anything else. Are you happy with the amount of love in your life? Are you happy with the amount of love in your life? And if the answer is no, stop looking out there and start looking at what you're willing to cultivate and bring forth in your everyday life because the love you take is equal to the love you make. So moving into a closing prayer today, invite any of our prayer practitioners who are here to stand and join me. And I hope as we move into this prayer that that subtle message that is there, that the, the soundtrack of our lives has not just been about fun. It's been about teaching us how to live. Not just through the wisdom of understanding, but through the wisdom of rhythm, rhythm and harmony and dance and flow. Think about those songs that perhaps showed up in your life just at the right time to help you through an experience or through your growth and understanding. Think about with reverence that music that has helped make you you and has provided a backdrop and a sanctuary in which to experience life's highs and lows. May we celebrate the music that we've experienced through synchronicity, through friendships, and through celebrations and even moments of grief. But let us also listen closely for the rhythm of God's life in our own heart and where it may be calling us to come forward with a greater instrument to understand and embrace a greater way of being that results in deeper healing, forgiveness, love and connection, and an unconditioned joy that allows us to indeed dance to the music because in the music is freedom, in it is wisdom, in it is the soul of our body and the body of our souls. Holding this music in our heart, we allow it to sing and let it be. And so it is. Thanks for listening to the Mile High Church podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. To make a donation, please visit milehighchurch.org.